0: Welcome to Real Talk with Christina and Libby. In this podcast, we're going to talk about faith unfiltered from a lens outside of the shiny, happy people. We're excited to have you joining us, and we can't wait for you to hear today's episode.
1: Real Talk? The world has a lot to say about what it means to be a woman.
0: It really does. If you follow Twitter at all, and somehow I've gotten into the wrong pocket of Twitter... And I'm just mad all the time because there's, like, these Twitter accounts, like, the transformed wife or, like, Pearl, um, just pearly things. And, and oh. the opinions that they have about women, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, who are you pandering to? Who are you telling this to? Uh-huh. Like, I, I, I wish that I could pull Pearl aside and say, babe, the men you're pandering to are not the men that make good husbands. Right. You know, because I just it's so crazy and everyone has something to say, and the Barbie movie perpetuated it all the more. Yeah. I mean everyone had an opinion about the Barbie movie. What was it, Ben Shapiro? Do you know who Ben Shapiro is? Uh-huh. He had an entire forty-five minute episode bashing the Barbie movie. Oh goodness. I'm like, you know, Ben, like I think you could chill a little bit. Like, yeah. no no hate or love towards Ben. This is very neutral, but I did not agree with his take. On, like, why the Barbie movie sucked so much. I was like, we we all need to calm down. So,
1: all of that Just let it be nostalgic and enjoy the funny moments. Can I
0: have one thing? Like, please? Can I just... (laughs) Can I have this thing?
1: Yeah, you were showing me Twitter earlier, and... Man, it's outrageous what some people say. Like, oh, I'm so grateful that as believers we have the Bible to look for to truth. Because if... If I was a non-believer and I was following these people and like trying to live my life according to these people, it would be almost impossible to be a good wife or a good woman.
0: I have to find myself tethering myself to the gospel all The time Mm -hmm. into the word because I'll get on Twitter and I'm trying to build you know build a business and I'm trying to use Twitter for business development for thought leadership and I get sucked into this hole of opinions about who I'm supposed to be and what defines my worth and I walk away feeling really depressed. But I have recently started really diving into, like, what does the Bible say about who I'm supposed to be as a woman? Yeah. And I don't care what the homeschoolers I grew up with had to say or what Twitter has to say or what feminism has to say. Like, I want to know what God has to say. Absolutely. And so with that, like, that brings us to this this episode, which is going to be an in-depth study of Proverbs 31, what it says about us, what it doesn't say about us. I just think that this is going to be... Probably my favorite episode we filmed yet. And I spent a lot of
1: time preparing for this. So I'm really excited. Me too. It's really great. I mean, did you know one of the cool facts about it is that it's written by King Linwell. However, they believe that that could possibly be Solomon. Which that means that it's, it's the words of Bathsheba. Yeah. Like that's so
0: cool. Because just to set some preface here... Proverbs 31 was written by King Lemuel. We don't know who he is. Some people think he's Solomon, like like Libby said. But it was written by him. He was narrating some or condensing some wisdom his mother had shared with him. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if she was sharing it with him in real time. He's writing it down or if it's years later and he's providing this narrative or this yeah. perspective. But either way, like it's the words of a son writing about his mother. And that's like just
1: mm-hmm.
0: whether it was Bathsheba or not. Like there's yeah. so much incredible
1: nuance there. I mean, just think about it though. If it was Solomon, I know what comes next. The Song of Solomon. That man loved his wife.
0: Well, he loved women. Women. Period. <laughs> but in that, I'm pretty specific... sure at one given point he had like 600 concubines. But like, well, yes. You know.
1: So besides the point, but I mean, I feel like in Solomon that... was getting
0: some. <laughs> he was. I think
1: though, like in that perspective, though, like she obviously taught him well, based on what his words say. A hundred
0: percent. One, he was gifted with wisdom, right? Yeah. But Proverbs 31, whether or not it's Solomon, Proverbs 31 was written primarily as a guide, interestingly enough, for men in choosing a spouse, right? So it's first and foremost, a guide for a man in his search for a wife. And secondly, it is a guide for a woman on who she's supposed to be. And that's why the, verse, the first 10 verses of the entire book or chapter, excuse me, are on mother's caution to her son. has the burden of kingship awaiting him so like we do have to preface it with and even when we were discussing earlier and kind of going through some of the notes you were like we do need to remember that this is like presumably a queen yes right and so there's gonna be some some nuance there that's important to keep in mind yeah um but so we're gonna just dive into the first 10 verses a really quick summary and then we'll jump into verses 10 through uh, or 11 through 31, 10 through 31. We're going to dive into the first nine verses right now. The first nine verses are a mother's caution to her son, burden of kingship awaiting him, and she warns him about three or four really big things. The first thing is sexual obsession, and that's something that's befallen many kings, especially in the Old Testament. You see David and if Solomon. It, <laughs> and, yeah, so if it is, you know, David and ba- if it is Bathsheba, yeah. Which, you know, who knows? It could be. How profound is that? That she, being the woman who was another woman, right? Yeah. Or, excuse me, being the woman who had an affair. Whether or yeah. not, we don't know if she desired it or not. You know what I mean? We just know right. that David wanted her. But, like, this is something that this woman is is very clear. Is not, to, she uses the words, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to at which destroy kings. And both of those are leveraged in a sexual way manner Mm -hmm. this idea of like chasing lust and this idolatry of women for what they can provide to you from a sexual perspective is incredibly dangerous and it befalls kings and even not kings i mean think about samson and delilah yeah samson was obsessed with delilah it was not good for him she cuts his hair off and he literally the fall of samson is because of delilah right
1: well she also warns her son about alcohol that a king must avoid drunkenness in order to reign properly If you view a man as the head of the house, similar to a way the king leads his country, then these cautions could apply to him as well.
0: That's really interesting to me because I've seen people who, well, and I've been one of the people who has an overabundance of alcohol in my life and I've Mm -hmm. seen it affect marriages Mm -hmm. and it deeply affects a man's ability to lead. Yeah and a woman's ability to submit like alcohol breeds contention it breeds laziness Mm -hmm. it breeds and so I'm by no means am I anti-alcohol I love a good old-fashioned more than almost anything in the world (laughs) but what I am anti is drunkenness and I've had more than my fair share of drunk experiences so this comes not from a place of judgment but from a place of conviction and shame right Um, but I I think that's a really good caution. I I would be really upset to be married to a man who was drunk so often that I felt like our home life and his ability to lead was neglected.
1: Well, I think one of the key issues these days with men leading is they aren't biblically rooted, Mm -hmm. and so they can't lead out of the design that God made, right? The man should be the head, but I will submit to my husband every day, but if he's going to lead me in a drunk manner, I'm not going to submit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that goes against what I believe God's called me to. And that throws off the balance of submission and leadership. And I feel like that is the problem with men and women these days is, you know, non-believers are on their own power and their own, well, even some believers, but... They're on their own power. So, like we talked about last week with the pendulum swinging either direction, when men aren't leading well, women feel the need to stand up. Then, we swing all the way to the other side, mm-hmm. and we have feminism, where it emasculates men, and they can't lead, and now women are in charge, which is the opposite of what God intended, and then it swings the other way. Like, it's just toxic. And we'll talk about
0: this a little bit more next week when we talk about the women of the Bible, mm-hmm. but... Um, one of my very favorites is Deborah. And mm. the reason I love Deborah so much well, there's many reasons why I love Deborah, but one of the biggest You're very re-
1: much a Deborah.
0: <laughs> Not an Esther. <laughs> but one of the reasons that I love Deborah so much and I'll share that inside joke with y'all next week, but one of the reasons I love Deborah so much is because she was appointed. It was to the shame of the men who couldn't step up. Yeah. And so that is almost um, like God appointed her to the shame of Israel. And a I of think-
1: a feminine feminism is not bad
0: yeah well it's what the world has convoluted it to be that's so
1: problematic absolutely
0: so the last thing that king lemuel's mother warns him about is she warns her son to defend the defenseless and judge righteously so she's not worried about him building a rich dominant powerful country she's concerned about him ruling with righteousness i think as women we often look for men who have well okay I (laughs) often look for men who have money or alpha energy or a lot of power. I'm very attracted to the man who's six foot four, played a sport in college, runs his own business now, has good money. You know what I mean? But works hard. You know, like I'm very attracted to this model of man. And um, I think that what we should be looking for are men who are going to lead us into righteousness yeah and that's a caution that this wife has for or excuse me that this mother has for her son as he goes to lead a country but i think as we look for men to lead our families the priority should be
1: are you going to lead righteously right Right. well that's what's unsaid here is the mother is kind of telling her son you need to be a man who deserves Mm -hmm. a woman like this Mm -hmm. and i think that's really important just because you're a man you don't deserve it yeah it's a gift
0: and I think that's, that's often so forgotten, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think it's forgotten on both sides. Men think that they just deserve a great woman. And women think that they just deserve a great man. And the truth is that you have to be great to, to gather greatness, that like attracts like. And yeah. so you need to be what you want to have. And that's something that I've really been working on in my journey with singleness, is if I have such high expectations for a man and who, he, who I want him to be, I better step up to the plate. Because yeah. that kind of man would be a fool to be interested in a woman who's not in his league. So let's dive into verses 10 through 31. Perfect, that sounds good. Do you wanna read the whole thing and then break it down? How do you wanna do this? Um, we can do chunks. Okay. Let's chunk it out. So maybe
1: like ten through fourteen.
0: Yeah. First. All right. Perfect.
1: An excellent wife who can find, she is more, far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack in gain. Actually, I want to stop him right there because I feel like those two verses are incredibly important. Okay. First of all, and ex- she's more precious than jewels. I mean, that goes to show the power of what this mom is speaking about. Mm-hmm. She's like, son, look. If you find a good wife, you have hit the lottery. You have won everything. That is what you want. And as a mom myself of a boy, like I want that for him. Mm-hmm. And I could just hear his mom sitting him down like, hey, you're about to be a king. And if you find an excellent wife, nothing else matters. This is what matters. Listen to my words. And I feel like at that moment, he'd be like, I'm listening. Like, you know? Yeah. To get it, she grabs his attention with that.
0: Well, and it's interesting to me because the, the precise meaning of the word translated rubies, right, um, which is like some of the translations say rubies instead of jewels. Mm-hmm. It's unknown. Other suggested translations are like pearls and corals. It's, this reference is some kind of a precious stone that discerns value, right? right. Like the idea is this very high value woman. And what's interesting is that even though she's described the rest of the chapter as rare and valuable and it's very actions based... The truth is that her value is worth is greater than what she does it's explained in these following verses her value and worth should not be reduced to the performance of her qualities but she should be virtuous before she acts in a virtuous manner and so it it really speaks to like this is a woman who has a good heart first and foremost above all else she's got a good heart and that heart permeates her actions yeah and so it's not just checking off we all know people who are bad-hearted but check off lists Absolutely, I have, I can think of someone very specific in my life right now who I actually think is a total narcissist. Like, like she is such a broken person that she is a narcissistic heart, but she is very good at checking off these lists. But if you actually have a conversation with her, if you actually know her, if you've actually been a victim of her before, you know that there is no fruit, right? right? There is just action. And I think this verse is so important because It's really outlining, like, this is a woman whose heart is good, her heart is aligned. And it really
1: hubcaps it at the
0: end with that
1: as well, which we'll dive into some more. Sure. And then 11, where it says, her heart of her husband trusts in her, he will have no lack of gain. My version in my Bible says, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. Oh, I love that. And I think that's so great. And I was talking to Isaac about it yesterday jokingly being like so you have a great life nothing nothing is bad because everything is good because I'm in it right and he was like crickets (laughs) (laughs) I was like okay okay maybe not but like I just and he was like no that's really important because a good wife that you can trust yeah man should be able to come home at the end of the day and lay it all out to his wife because he can't do that other places.
0: Well, scripture outside of this and then outside of another verse, Judges twenty thirty six, which we don't have to reference for you, but like with aside from these two texts, scripture actually condemns trust in anyone or anything apart from the Lord. Yeah. It's very clear, like put your hope in the Lord, put your yes. trust in the Lord. It's interesting to me that this is an exception, mm-hmm. right? And it tells me that like this woman, like ideally has the highest level of spiritual and physical competence. Mm-hmm. Like this is a woman who can, is a vault. She can totally be trusted. She is so in line with the Lord and so in line with her husband's soul that she is like a piece of him, an extension of him and she can totally be trusted. So to me, this even plays into the two shall become one flesh. Yeah, That's why I think it's an exception Mm,
1: Yeah, is because you're this, you are one when you're married and you're united under God, right? Yeah uh proverbs 18 also says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the lord it's you don't hear that much about a husband towards his wife like you don't find you don't hear a verse that says she who finds a good husband finds a good thing like it is clear that the lord has laid it out the man should be the head but he needs a woman. Adam needed Eve. Exactly. They We are important. And our role and our duties are extremely important for the balance of things. Her, her lap should be somewhere where he can lay down and lay it all out. Be like, I am feeling all the feels because I'm not allowed to. Especially for a king. You know, can you imagine how much
0: the burden, he, burden had to carry. he had and then yeah. be able
1: to like come to his room at, in the evening and just lay down in his wife's lap and be like "Ugh, today was awful let me tell you everything
0: yes well and it's interesting to me because i used to be really offended by the idea that like the man had to be the head i really yeah. that really bothered me as i've grown older and more tired <laughs> <laughs> i have realized that i'm not designed to be the head i don't want to be the head you know, like, it is it is no. laborious. It's a yeah. burden. I, and as I've embraced, like, this femininity within me, as I've embraced this idea of, like, I love to cook, and I enjoy cleaning, and I enjoy keeping a house, and I'm highly creative, and I'm highly industrious, and I'm entrepreneurial, and, like, embracing the multivaried nature of myself yeah. instead of pigeonholing myself. And, like, you have to be a CEO. You have to be a billionaire. You There is no room for anything else. You can pay someone to do these things. I have seen myself blossom emotionally in a way that I didn't think I was capable of. And so I think it's just, it's so important to like understand that the way the Bible has outlined our role, Mm -hmm. while it may feel, you know, as you first read it, like it's very anti-woman, it's actually profoundly pro-woman, and God made women to be a blessing and to be an equal part of a man's life but she has different desires, different DNA, different roles that she is like genetically inclined to fulfill and there's nothing wrong with that and that doesn't mean that she's lesser than and I think so often the world is just so convinced that that means she's lesser than
1: yeah I think well a lot of the Christian community is flawed in thinking about women because they keep them tight to a woman. She at home. They should not do anything. I'm a stay-at-home mom. There is nothing wrong with that, right? There's a lot of value in being there for your children. It saves a lot of money. Like, there's a lot of good that comes from that. Mm -hmm. However, this, we'll see, outlines that this woman does a lot of work. And she is not just a housekeeper. And, you know, she's entrepreneurial. And she... We are allowed... To work if we want to
0: totally and and something else that i think is important that i didn't stipulate at the beginning one of the narratives that i read said the virtuous woman can be single or married yeah. But each will have particular ways the virtue is expressed either as their singleness or as a family. Yeah. And I really liked that because as a single woman, it can be really hard to feel like my entire self-worth will only start when I'm married and have children. Yeah, that must be really hard. The truth is that that's not the case. There I are know. ways that I can exhibit these traits as a single woman now. There are ways that I can exhibit it in the workforce. There are ways that I can exhibit it in my career. I can exhibit totally. it in my own home with my siblings, with my parents, right, with my friends and their children. There are ways to exhibit these qualities without being in the construct of a family. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into verses 12 through 14. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like ships, the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar.
1: So basically what they're saying is if I... Um, want to go to Whole Foods and spend a lot of money on groceries, it's okay. Because, <laughs> right? Like, I can blow our budget. No, totally.
0: Yeah. That's exactly what it that's sounds lot,
1: like. That's um, what, she brings her food from afar, you yeah? <laughs> know? Or like, oh, I could go to like a farmer's market and spend all my money. I think that that's appropriate, right? So, actually, <laughs> no.
0: It, it's it's very interesting. I think that it means she's savvy and she's smart with resources. Okay? Yeah, So... True. If you've got it in your budget, girl, go to Whole Foods. I don't. Go to but that's Whole okay. Foods. Go to Air One.
1: Oh goodness! What,
0: didn't you just, Wasn't it you who just yes. introduced me to Air One? Yeah, go to Air One and spend twenty dollars on a smoothie. If you've got it, you know you've got it. But I think the point—we uh, don't even have an Air One in Houston, so just ignore me. Okay, I think it's just in LA. Tell me the point. <laughs> the point is that this is a woman who is she's she's knows she's got a ledger in her head.
1: Yeah. She knows
0: what they've got. She knows what she can do with it. Right. And it doesn't put shame on this woman for, you know, buying nice things. And it will we'll define that a little bit later in verses, like, 22 and 23. But, um, or 21 and 22. But she she knows what's going on. She's got a ledger of the black and red. And she knows how to take care of her house.
1: She's also a queen in this instance. Yeah, so I mean, that's, you know. I guess that's, that's... not said,
0: but it is implied, given that, like, a queen mother is talking to her son, the king. Yeah. But it's, these are lifelike examples of a busy, hardworking and creative woman. Like she's busy, she's hardworking, she's got a creative character. Doing this the right way is really hard. Mm -hmm. Being that busy and hardworking and it's interesting to me that she is so joyful in the activity. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times it can be really easy to be like exhausted and worn down. And one of the questions I've always had for Proverbs 31 is like, how do you do it all? She does have help, ladies and gentlemen. Like, she literally has a staff. And so I think it's important that as we're reading this, that you don't feel shame if you feel like you can't cover all the bases of this woman. Because as Libby said earlier, she's probably a queen, which means she's got an entire, like, list of resources and staff at her availability. but. And, and you don't have to do all of these
1: things in one day.
0: But by the same token, if you come from a wealthy family and you're able to provide resources so that you have a maid to keep your house clean, and yeah. you can buy. There's no shame in that either. That doesn't make you less of a woman. This is a, this is a, this is a lesson that applies to you regardless of the resources that you may or may not have. Right. Totally. Okay. She's willingly working. She does her label with a her labor with a cheerful service and her will and her heart is in it. She wants to do it. She doesn't think anything's beneath her. I Very think that's really interesting. Just this woman who she's willing to do anything. She has no pride. Yeah. Like if she's got to wash the clothes, she's going to wash the clothes. Yeah, got to scrub the toilets, you got to scrub the toilets. If she's, you know, she does it happily. It's yeah. not an inconvenience. And I think that that is such a good model for life in general to yeah. do things with a happy heart.
1: Yeah, it's really hard. When Isaac and I were first married and it was rocky, we. It was so hard for me to serve him with a happy heart because our marriage wasn't right and i don't think either of us were um i don't think he was leading in some ways that the bible commanded and i think he was leading in great ways also in other places but there were times when he wasn't and in those times the next day trying to clean the house It was hard for me to not want to curse at everything I was doing because it was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. But when a husband leads well and a wife serves well, it's with a happy heart. I used to hate cleaning. It still overwhelms me. I'm super ADHD. I'm horrible at it. My husband's going to listen to this and be like, I can't say anything. You're not great at this. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not great at this. I'm a hot mess. But when my ADHD permits, I (laughs) love Cooking for him. I love making sure that his truck is cleaned out when we've been in it or, you know, doing extra things that I don't need to do. Are his clothes clean and put away? Well, clean, yes. Put away, not always, but clean, absolutely. Do I need to lay them out for him so he has an easy time getting them in the morning? No. But I do it every night because I'm like, this is one less step he has to do in the morning. I love doing this for him. And I feel like when you have this good balance of a good leader and a good wife who's submissive, it's easy to I do. I
0: completely this. agree with that. I think that's such a good point. It really it brings us back to this foundation of like a good marriage centered on Christ and the ramifications that that has. Yeah. Because when you're soul-bound to someone, you really, I think, experience emotions in lockstep with them a lot of the time.
1: Yeah.
0: And so having... Brene Brown said once, I think it was Brene Brown, she was talking about how she and her husband take on things, Mm -hmm. and they know that they've got to get to 100% together. Oh, I love this, yeah. Yeah, that analogy of like 100% together, but sometimes one has to carry the other depending on the day. Yeah. And so they'll have a conversation, and, and you know her husband will say, I've got 20. And she's like, that's okay, I've got 80. Like, we can do this. Yeah. But some days they'll be like, He's like, I've got 30. And she's like, I've got 10. So we need to figure out what we're going to do. Like, we need to...
1: Yeah, so we're not mean to each other. We don't fight because of issues that come up because we're tired from other things.
0: Right. We've got to resolve this together first. And and to me, even though that's a secular example, what that represents is like the sanctity of the marriage first. Making yeah. the decision with that being the foundation. Right? Yeah.
1: Well, and when I, Isaac originally talked to me about that, because we, we kind of do that now. Like, sometimes when I'm like, hey, baby bonnie has the other day bonnie got car sick i've never had a car sick kid ever and it was everywhere and i do not do throw up like that's that i don't do that i do not <laughs> do that every time my kids are sick i push it on isaac i do i know anything else broken bones cool blood and guts awesome you like anything else i do not do that but i was on the way to a shoot and so i had no choice like i had to do this And then Bonnie was cranky all day, did not nap. Liam came home and he was arguing and Isaac was on his way home. and He was venting about work and I was like, I've got 10, maybe 20%. He was like, what do I need to do? Do we need to order food? What do we, like, where are you lacking? How can we fix this? And I think that example is so great. But when he explained it to me, he was like, well, we each have 50 and it makes 100. And I was like, well, that doesn't even make sense. 100% of myself is 100%. And he's like, well, we're one flesh. So 100% is 50 from each person. Because I hate the idea of like, a relationship's 50-50. That's ridiculous. You should yeah. put 100% in yourself. But if you're one flesh, 50% is all you've got. Because yeah. together you're 100%. 50% like, is 100%. Yes. Yeah. And that took me like a hot minute to get right. We had a couple words. Because I was like, this doesn't make sense. And he was like, it makes total sense. And it took me a minute. But like, <laughs> he was right. I mean, when you are one flesh, it is so much easier to work together. And uh, it just... It's like God knew what he was doing or something. I don't know. It's <laughs> well, and I think, strange.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think when you're single, having that same approach with, with the Lord, it, it's not quite the same because the Lord can always carry us and does always right. carry us. But like, just being honest, of like, Lord, I'm at 20 today, and I'm going to need you to make up the rest of the 80 because mm-hmm. I can't do it. I can't. I'm tired. Uh-huh. I'm tired. And, and I say that to the Lord a lot, and he's been... Um, I would like to say that he's been really generous and gracious with his energy. Right now, it doesn't feel like he's anywhere, but I know that I'm going to see that he's been there. You will. Yeah. Um, but right now, I feel like I say I'm at 20, and he's like, "Good luck," <laughs> you know what I right. mean? No. So it's definitely for been sure. a frustrating pattern. Um, but anyway, we're gonna move back into verses 15 through 18.
1: She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. Portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Homegirl sounds like a night owl. And I love it. She does sound like a night owl. I am a night owl. And, like, my house right now is not put together. And it is 9.47 p.m., when I get done with this, I am going home to do laundry and stay up late to do it because I would rather spend my time during the day with my, my children. And then when my husband gets home, like over the weekend, I don't touch chores if, that don't have to be done. I yeah. do the dishes, do the kitchen, whatever, keep the main areas clean. Our room is a disaster because my goal is to focus on him with whatever little time he has. But like, I find myself in this verse, being like, I get it. I get it. I, I, yeah. I feel you, girl.
0: She's got to go. And and one of the things I really like about her is that it talks about her generosity with the people who work for her. Yeah. And a lot of times you see people who have resources and they can be... More, one of the number one prompts I see on dating apps is guys will say, I want to see how you treat waitstaff. I think yeah. that is... There's so much wisdom in wanting to see how someone treats someone who's the help. the help effectively, yeah, I agree. Right? Because... In any situation, whether they're the help, quote unquote, at a restaurant and they're serving you, or whether it's your maid or your lawn man, like how do you treat those people? Are they yeah. subpar to you or do you treat them with generosity? Do you treat them with humanity? Are you honoring and gracious right. to them? This woman clearly is. She provides for those people. She's always like creating portions for them. She considers them before herself portions for her household and her maidens right yeah it's not for her household and for her and then her maidens she's providing for everyone else before she provides for herself and i just i love that i also think it's really interesting probably my favorite verse in this entire thing is she considered considers a field and buys it and with the fruit of her hand she plants a vineyard She's forward-thinking, she's creative, she's entrepreneurial, she's a real estate mogul. I love this woman, okay? (laughs) I think she's so cool. And she doesn't just worry about the bare necessities, she's also focused on comfort. I mean, wine, maybe back then, wine was considered a necessity. I don't know, but she's building a vineyard. She's, you know, it's like, in this day and age, I think of it as like, so you buy a a teardown house, and you restore it, and you make it a rental property, Right. It's not a necessity. It's not something you absolutely have to have. But you have the resources and it's wise to leverage them in yeah. that way. And this woman has the capability to do it. And I just think that's really freaking cool.
1: Yeah. Should I, we move to 19?
0: Um. Did we cover... No. Because we haven't covered. Oh. She
1: dresses herself with strength. That's a big one. And makes her arms strong. Yeah. Why? Well, in the Hebrew, it translates to... Uh, instead of she clothes herself with strength and dignity... Um, which is what my verse says. Hebrew says she girds her loins, which is a call to action. Mm-hmm. She prepares herself for action. You know, the men would tuck up their... You know what? <laughs> they would pull their gather robe up underneath their belt so that they were all protected and It was ready like to a go. jock
0: strap. It's like when you play sports and you wear jocks so that you make sure that nothing's rough and right. tumble up in there well, but a she, woman can do something similar yeah it's just not girding her loins it's girding herself up so it's like it's preparing yourself for like heroic or difficult action it's she's active she's present she's healthy she's strong this is a woman who's taking care of herself physically she's
1: ready for whatever life's gonna throw at her she puts on her sensible shoes uh-huh. and her yoga pants you, you know what
0: there's nothing wrong
1: <laughs> with her being able to do it all in heels okay okay True, my ankles
0: could never, but okay. My ankles used to be able to, and it was very impressive, and now they cannot. All right, now let's dive into verses 18 through 21. No, 18 through
1: 20. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy.
0: Okay, so what's the distaff? This is, like, how people would weave. If you think about, like, the yeah. the needle that Aurora put her hand on that caused her to, you know, I you were the spindle. About my cat no. I was like, what are you talking no, about? No, Sleeping Beauty, when she touches the spindle, right? I have a cat it's,
1: named Aurora. That's not random, I promise.
0: <laughs> and so, she's working with that kind of spindle. Yeah, mine says
1: my translation says she extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. So she's so,
0: working. She's doing the hard work. She's yeah. not just delegating. She's doing whatever is needed. And I think that's interesting because I remember there was a woman in the homeschool community when I was growing up and she believed that a real woman had seven children. Okay. <laughs> so she got to seven.
1: All right. My infertility could never.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she got to seven children and she only raised the first couple.
1: And then her
0: older children had to raise the younger children. Yeah. And she sat around and didn't do much of anything and talked about how amazing of a woman she was. And they were impoverished because they couldn't afford their seven children.
1: Gross. And
0: her older children raised her younger children. Now, one of her sons, who I knew personally in high school, is one of the best men I've ever known. So something must have been happening right in that house. I don't want to totally condemn.
1: Right, and I'm not saying ew and gross because, like, somebody who has 7 children is gross the idea of like i'm better because i have 7 children which is absolutely and then you don't she even raise them yeah. it's like That's gross. That's not okay. Well,
0: to me, that's like this is calling out the holier-than-thou people who are actually truly lazy, right? This is a woman who does whatever needs to be done. She does not check a box and then say, well, I've had my seven, and I don't have to do anything else anymore. She says, I am going to be honorable with my resources, and I'm going to take care of my family. And if it involves me going into late at night and weaving the actual clothes, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I think that's the point, is at the heart of this woman, is relentless, and when you just look to check off a box, and you just want to be able to get to sit on the couch at night, there's nothing wrong with rest. But when you're just worried working towards your next period of like, if you're not joyfully working, if you're working towards your next period of like I get to take a break, and your focus is on laziness, you are not the industrious wife. No, Proverbs thirty-one is ask- talking about, and that is heavily convicting to me. Yeah, heavily. I will say as
1: a stay-at-home mom it is exhausting and there I used to feel not resentment because I loved it but I was just really tired and it wasn't as fun or as joyful as I wanted it to be and I shift my perspective almost to especially because Isaac and I are partners um when my husband's at work From the second he leaves to the second he gets home, I'm a nanny for my kids. It makes me feel like there's an end to this. I've got this, you know. It's 6 o'clock when he's home. I can take a deep breath and realize I learned it or got through the day. Don't get me wrong. My kids mean more to me than nanny children. And I'm not sitting around like, oh, I do as nanny. But it makes me, it puts this like, first of all, it gives me a job to do. It makes me feel like I'm doing more than just taking care of the baby. Just changing diapers. Like, that's my job. I'm called to this job, and I'm going to do it like it's my job. Uh, I hold it with that regard like I would a professional career, you know? And it also takes away the this is never ending. Mm -hmm. He comes home, he can hold the baby for a second. He can change a diaper once in a while. He can do things too. But, I mean, when I had a newborn baby, my husband, he's a crane operator, and so he waking up in the middle of the night would be detrimental to his health well-being he cannot go drive truck cranes with two hours of sleep and um i slept on the couch with my newborn because it was it, i took joy and pride in being a wife who supports her husband and i didn't want to burden him with that issue you know not that it's an issue it's his baby but
0: you know what i mean yeah you were a partner you were partnering yeah. with him i think that's a right heart mentality which is like it's not about like are you doing 50 percent of the share it's about like again back to the Brene Brown example Yeah, you were giving 80 because he could only give 20 in that specific instance yeah. and it's important to like have that servant mindset with each other um, yeah. back to this we were talking about opening wow. her hands to the poor reaches her hands out to the needy she's compassionate she cares about people She does more than just throwing money towards them. like She's actually helping people. She's probably going and holding babies and making meals and supporting and serving, right? And so this is a woman who really cares about people and and is generous outside of her home and outside of her charges. She uses her industry in charitable ways. I think that's really important because it can be so easy for me to just say, well, I've got my house
1: covered. And it's like this is a woman who's always pouring out from herself. I'm going to read 21 to 25. it's all kind of the same. Let's do it. She is not afraid of snow for her household. For her household is all clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the lands. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Uh, that next part we can break down in a separate spot. But basically she's... She is working with the spindle to provide for her family. And, you know, she takes pride in it. It's linen and purple and scarlet. Like, it's important. And it's okay that she wants it to be well done.
0: Well, she's not afraid of the snow for her household. She's prepared. She's prepared her family, right? So they're clothed in warm clothing for the winter. But that's just a euphemism, an analogy for, like, she's prepared her household for anything Mm
1: -hmm. like this
0: is a woman with foresight she's constantly preparing she's thinking about like the 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 winter when things are going to be scarce she's stored up right like this is a woman who is strategic with the resources but at the same time she's enjoying the fruit of her labor she's she's wearing tapestry she makes linen garments and sells them she wears tapestry somewhere in here it covers that she Has bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her household is clothed in scarlet. This is a woman who's got nice things and it's okay to have nice things. I feel like so often we're condemning of anyone who carries a Louis Vuitton. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, you've got a Louis Vuitton. That money could have been better spent elsewhere. That's a $1,500 purse. Why weren't you more generous? And the truth is like... The, I think there's a reason why her generosity is covered before the niceness of her stuff is covered is because that shows like the, the posture of her heart is generosity yeah. first. The Bible also says that the poor will always be with you. So it clearly doesn't desire for us to have a mindset where we are desperately giving away everything we can in an attempt to absolve world hunger or feeling guilty for what we have. It's a posture of generosity and gratefulness. And gratefulness can look like enjoying nice things as long as they don't become your entire personality and become a point of arrogance
1: for you. Totally. There's a lot of, especially in the stay-at-home mom world and the mom world in general like oh do you have the name brand xyz <laughs> baby stroller do you have the up a baby vista like all the 1300 stroller that i am only calling out because golly I want that one so bad <laughs> but am I going to spend $1,300 on a stroller no some people it might be a priority because they, they or have that a it's certain... a drop
0: in the bucket they're yeah. making $300,000 a year a
1: $1,300 yeah. stroller is not a big deal sure and like or they were gifted it like I can't look at somebody and be like wow that's a that's mom who is all about herself like no that's not it. but vice versa yeah exactly I mean I'm like low-key jealous of that I really want one they're very cute But my Chico whatever stroller works fine too, you know? And I take pride in it.
0: Side note, it is ridiculous how expensive strollers are. Are you kidding me? I bet the cost of goods sold on that BS is like 150 bucks. The markup is a thousand percent. Are you kidding me?
1: Yes. There's so many influencers on TikTok who are like, my newness, something, something, something. I'm like, everybody has these perfect car seats, but guess what? They're going to all spit up in them. (laughs) You're going to have like grease stains on them, and eventually you'll give your kids some sort of chicken nugget in the back seat, and they're going to get it smushed in to the little tiny crevices. (laughs) Like, If I'm the only mom that feels this way, then y'all should turn off this podcast because that is exactly what I'm about. Girl, I had to wash my car seat the other day, and I was like, I should have done this more often. Like, you know, so my nuna would have been ruined. (laughs) However, if that is what you think is important for your family, and that's something that you can. Or it's
0: something you want, and you yeah, have the resources. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not you. saying like
1: that's horrible. It's like, only that's... wrong
0: if you're walking around going, "Did you see the brand yeah, on no. my stroller? I'm <laughs> so much better than you. Let me put this into my Porsche." Like, yeah. calm down. For sure. Um, And I say that mainly to me because I bought Gucci slides once. And to this day, I'm like, don't touch the Gucci slides. And I'm like, someone just needs to steal these from me so I can get over myself. (laughs) Um, Okay. So here we are. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So... Like I said earlier, I feel most fulfilled when I am working across multiple channels. This is a woman who is like, she's working across multiple channels. She's providing for her family, she's providing for her house, she's cooking, she's a real estate mogul. She's making linen garments and selling them. She's got a merchant relationship that she sells sashes to. She's she's so versatile, like she does so many things. And I the most fulfilled I've ever felt is when I have the ability to run my own business keep my own house, take care of people. When I'm being fulfilled creatively, entrepreneurially, from a nurturing perspective, from a cleanliness and organization and administrative perspective, there are so many pieces of me that get very fulfilled by the opportunity to do all of those things. And I very easily get bored doing just one thing. I think that that's not necessarily ADHD, that's the wiring of a woman. lot Mm -hmm. of the time and so I think that it's just fascinating that this is a woman who can just do all of it and she um she's just amazing
1: there's a oh I don't remember what his name is but there was some sort of book dvd something that I learned about when I was like 12 or 13 about men and women it was like girls are like spaghetti boys are like waffles Well, there's a book
0: now called women are from Venus and men are from
1: Mars. Yeah. Like it's very simple, like just totally But different. no, but like literally what I'm think, why I love this point was men, my husband can look off into space and be thinking of nothing. He can go into his, you know, nothing boxes have squares. Nothing box Nothing boxes. He can be there. Yeah. And guess what? I'm a spaghetti. You know, everything connects to something. Mm-hmm. It's a big jumble. If I'm looking at nothing, I'm like, hmm, that paint color is great. What color do I want to paint my house? And now I've revamped my entire house in 30 seconds while my husband's sitting there just like nothing. Okay. How? I I have gotten into a nothing box before. That's impressive. Do you want to know how? I was fishing. <laughs> you were fishing? I was fishing. That's it's, why I hate fishing. No, I love have it. have to pull in a nothing box. No, and I don't like nothing box. It's beautiful.
0: Boxes. It's beautiful. You just sit there and you think about nothing. I'm like now I get why I'm The only fish. kind of fish I, I fishing understand. I
1: like is on Isaac Stan's boat in Galveston where it's just peaceful and like fun versus if you want to go, my husband asked me the other day, do you want to go fishing at John Paul Landing? They stock it and blah, blah, blah. I was like, it is 105 degrees outside. No, I do not. <laughs> my daughter is going to be trying to run into the water. My son is going to complain because he's hot. This sounds like a miserable situation. He was like, okay then. I'm like... Sorry, but no. So No, you you know what? It's because they find
0: their nothing boxes. I'm telling you. I'm sure. One of the things that I loved about this section of verses that we read here is that she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Mm. So one of the the, um, narratives I read is that her deliberate speech, right, opening her mouth and her spontaneous words, so what's just on her tongue, they're marked by wisdom and kindness. So subconsciously and consciously, this woman is wise and kind, which means that if she's doing it consciously, like that's great. Like we can all be conscious, more conscious communicators. It's very active thinking, but if subconsciously just what's on her tongue, what's there, what's ready to go is kind and wise. That tells me that this is a woman who is filling herself up on the word of the Lord.
1: Yeah. She's overflowing with,
0: She's very selective in her inputs if her output is that pure. Absolutely. And that's something that I've been convicted of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've been convicted of that. I am not selective of my inputs. I listen to raunchy music. I watch crazy TV shows, right? And I'm like, if I were more selective of my inputs, the output would probably be a lot more gracious than it currently is. Even just the subconscious output.
1: Well, and I think it's important to see where in your life is being affected by whatever it is right like for me i know for a while i was you know doing my hair and makeup so that i would find more favor with my husband on a selfish level and so i was like look i'm sorry i'm gonna wear sweatpants today because this is not coming from a pure place of thinking oh i probably shouldn't watch this movie because it has a check i have a check in my spirit and i know that if i watch it i'm gonna be a brat afterwards like What is pinpoint, like pinpoint what is affecting you? Is there a movie that makes you a brat? I don't know. Just like dumb movies that are Uh like, I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) the point is like if I'm more selective and figure out where it is, because sometimes I can listen to music and it doesn't necessarily affect my mood. Is it right? Probably not. And I probably should stop. But if there is something that I recognize is affecting my mood it would be sinful of me not to change it
0: well i think that it's more than just mood you raise a good point but it's more than just mood it's well, yeah. also just your con your subconscious right. output i listen to rap music i love rap music i do i love it i love every single bit of rap music that comes out the raunchiest stuff you can think of i love it i love working out to it i love driving in the car and feeling like i'm bad listening to it it is my mm-hmm. favorite thing but my output, my subconscious output, can be riddled with language. And I've noticed that yeah, my language has gotten better as I've stopped listening to, honestly, in the last month, because I've just been listening to the Barbie soundtrack. My language <laughs> has gotten a lot better. You know, and I just think that that's, it's, it's not just your mood. It's also
1: just where your spirit gravitates towards on a subconscious level. <laughs> Isaac and I were talking about music the other day. And we listened to a lot of, like, 2000s emo music. And we were listening to Taylor Swift before, like, something came on. And he was like, it's funny that people listen to this music and it's like, I'm so much better than men. I'm so much better than everybody else. But uh, emo music is very much like, I just love you so much I could die. And he was like, I think like that's a very different perspective. And I was like, it is. Yeah. It and is. yet
0: emo music is the one that we're like, oh, are you okay? You know? And the kids, I just love this person way too much. All right. Let's read the last couple of verses, 27 through 31. Um... She looks well into the ways of her household, does not eat the bread of idleness. we already discussed that. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Watching over the ways of her household, to me, is interesting. She's on top of it. She's yeah. not neglectful. She's listening. When the kids are playing upstairs and something bad goes down, she's paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. You know, she's she's listening to everything. She's got her finger on the pulse. You know, my, my family always jokes, my dad makes a joke that my mom will be playing a game of spades in front of the TV on her iPad. She won't hear what they say. She'll make us rewind three or four times. <laughs> oh, drives goodness. us crazy. But if Sherry Booth goes into the bathroom, all right? And you whisper something in the kitchen across the house.
1: Oh, she heard She it. hears it. She hears it. She hears it. Hears she it. Hears it.
0: knows. She knows. And so I think about that as much as, you know, if my mom's listening. I love you, mom. Um, but she knows that uh, something's going down. She's listening. She's Her spirit is tuned in. Mm-hmm. She's
1: on the right radio I'll frequency. Oh, just wait until you're a mom, girl. Like, I can hear. I mean, my kids are in an obvious... An obvious age right now Bonnie gets quiet So does Liam and his friends If they're being mean to each other All of a sudden One of his friends starts whispering And I'm like I should probably pause my show And listen a little bit harder Or walk upstairs And hide behind something And listen So I can call it out Yeah But yeah She is well in tuned To what's happening And what her kids are doing
0: So Where else were we going? We were talking about Her children rise up And call her blessed Her husband also He praises her Many daughters have done well, but you excel above them all. What a good feeling Mm -hmm. for your husband to be like, I could not have married a better woman. And for your kids to be like, I couldn't have a better mom. That there's no comparison. You know, like, this is an exhortation to children and a husband to bless and praise the mother and their wife for godly character. Like, they're supposed to be supporting her. And I try to do this to my mom and dad and be like, hey, you're the best. The my best. Enneagram
1: 2 is very pleased with that yeah. call to action. Yeah. I like it.
0: Yeah, Because you need affirmation. Words Tell of affirmation are big for I'm
1: doing a good job. Tell me that I'm beautiful. Isaac and I, one time in an argument, he said, what do you need a congratulations? And I was like, yeah, I do. You know? <laughs> I need like, a thank you.
0: Now that you mention it. Yeah. They congratulate me for That's doing exactly. the dishes, please.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You I know didn't that- want to, and I did it anyways.
0: Oh, my gosh. I know. I, what's that quote in the America Ferrera speech in the Barbie movie where she says, we do all this and we never get a thank you and we never get a medal and we never get anything like that, you know? Yeah. And someone was like, oh, what a victim mentality. And I'm like, no, it's just that a lot of women are very words of affirmation focused. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, that's really what it is. But, like, every home can actually have a wife and a mother that, that feels this way. It's not a competition. It's not like a, oh, yeah, I got the best one. Like, this is my wife. She's the hottest wife in our church group. No, it's like how every woman tries to be so that her husband actually feels like I lucked out. This is the best one. And it's like unique to every situation, which is cool. Yeah. Um, it's cool, but it's also not cool. Cause I love competition. And so if you told me that like <laughs> I could be the best, I'd be like challenge accepted. No, and sure. now that I hear it's fun, fair, positive womanhood over here and everyone can be Ugh, the best. It kind of kills trophies? the vibe for me.
1: Well, um, in verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It. Uh, in 1 Peter 3, it talks about the same thing. It says, Do not let the adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be in the, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious.
0: Love that. Now, I think it's important to note, charm and beauty are not bad no okay they're just the wrong thing to be the entire focus and it's not the right reason to marry someone yeah oh she's hot and she's cool great okay who is she and, and that's something I always ask myself is is I'm like, wow, that man is handsome. He's wonderful. He's successful. He's intelligent. Is he going to lead my family well? Yeah. I have to pause myself and go, is this a man who's going to lead me well and lead my family well? Is he going to be a good steward of the hearts of his children? Is he going to shepherd us towards
1: Jesus? What is his hidden person of his heart?
0: Exactly. Like, you what know? does he fear the Lord? And that's like one of the narratives that I read is like, let me just read this, let me actually quote it directly, coming at the end of this poem because Proverbs 31 was written in a poem style. It's
1: a Hasidic acrostic.
0: Yes. um, This pinpoints the organizing factor in this brilliant woman's universe it is her fear of Yahweh that enables her to see that real greatness will come to her, not through self-centered aggressiveness, not through merely external beauty, but through godly devotion and a wholehearted commitment to God's creational intention Mm. for her. I man isn't that love convicting? That. oh my gosh are you kidding It's heavily convicting it really stuck with me. The virtuous woman will be rewarded by the God she fears and rewarded by what she has accomplished for her family and herself as they publicly speak of her godliness and wisdom.
1: yeah
0: I want to be like that. oh I do too you know. And then they they drew one more analogy the fact that she truly fears the Lord shows she has a real relationship with him so she's not mm. only a Martha, busy with service but she's a mary also she walks in fear and reverence towards the lord she wants to be with him she wants to spend time with him the bible says that the fear of the lord is the beginning of all wisdom and this is talking about a wise woman so of course it makes natural sense that her fear of the lord her love for the lord her desire to honor the lord is making her a wise steward of the resources the lord has given her right yeah (sighs) yeah Well, I loved going through this with you. Yeah,
1: it was a little long one today, but I hope you stuck with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, we have over 200 listens now for our whole podcast, we're very proud. which is so, it's, it might be minuscule with some people, but I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. Like, it feels, that's a like, lot of it it feels like I listen. just watched
0: my baby have
1: her first dance recital. You know what I mean? It's I'm like, like it's oh, doing she's doing so great. Yeah. Um, next week, we're going to talk about women of the Bible. I'm not sure which ones yet. We haven't decided on that. I'm sure we'll probably pick a couple of our favorites I mean, as over. you know,
0: it's going to have Ruth, Esther, and Deborah. We're going to sprinkle in some other ones in there as well. But those are like the yeah. big three that people talk about as like biblical womanhood examples, right?
1: Yeah, I'm also probably going to throw in Mary in there. Mm-hmm. She has some big...
0: Which one? There's like so many Marys. The mother
1: of Jesus. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. And then I think uh, Sarah has probably got some good examples uh, yeah. in there too. We'll touch on
1: a lot of them. I yeah. don't know how how many or how deep we'll dive, but I hope you stick around and listen. Um, tune in next Monday for that podcast. Um, be sure to follow us on
0: Instagram, and Instagram at
1: time to real talk time, the number two, and then real talk on Facebook. It's just the real talk podcast. Um, make sure you follow our Spotify or on Apple podcasts, and we'd love for you to fill out the survey that we have at the end. It's been so much fun to hear from you guys. Um, apparently everybody wants to hear about sex. So that is coming up in a few weeks. I told you that would be a good one. Um, but we have to prepare for that. Yeah. So hopefully prepare my husband because I think he ha- might have some good insights on it.
0: We but. need a male narrative. So at the very least, she'll come with some comments and quotes from from Isaac and, and maybe we'll even have Isaac join us. We'll see. Yeah. That'd be funny. Um, well, thanks for listening and we'll hear from you next week.